Hi, I'm Joe Bates and welcome to Joe Bates Explains It All. This is both the second episode in my guide to houses and the last episode before I take an extended Christmas break to generate more wisdom. I know what you're thinking, an episode about property? Not very Christmassy, Joe. But the greatest Christmas gift you can give to someone is house and security. But because I can't give you that, I'm going to give you the second greatest gift, which is preparing you for a lifetime of living in house shares. I will try to give you some advice on buying your own property as well, based on things I've overheard from richer friends and colleagues. That's in the second section. I'll get started with the first section, which is getting on with your housemates very shortly. Before we do, I'd like to get a tiny bit earnest on your ass. Uh, as I mentioned in the last episode, I do a bit of work for charity. I only mentioned that so you would like me and continue listening to the podcast. But I didn't mention that specifically I volunteer for a charity called Care for Calais. It's a charity that supports refugees both in Calais and who've recently arrived in the UK and are in hotels, detention centres and other similar accommodation. The charity is struggling for donations at the moment and many refugees only get £8 a week of spending money whilst they're waiting, sometimes years for their case to be looked at. That means these donations are vital. If you have a tiny bit to spare, please go to careforcalais.org, that's for the number four. Anything you can give will be hugely appreciated and well used. Okay, that's the earnest bit over. Now for some top quality house share advice. Part one getting on with your housemates. As I mentioned in the last episode, I lived in a house of 12 people for seven years. And for the first four years, we never argued once because we never talked once. Communication in a house share is key, specifically not doing any of it. If you don't speak to each other, you can't disagree on things. You're probably thinking that you need to talk to housemates to discuss things like cleaning. But one way we solve this is by having a housemate with OCD who would clean things up as soon as anyone forgot to do it themselves. I'm not 100% sure you can advertise for someone with OCD on websites like Spare Room though. So maybe try to find this out in the interview stage. But when that housemate left the house, things started to get more messy. And then things really started going wrong when we started talking regularly. This was caused partly by our younger housemates trying to create a more communal atmosphere by organising house meals and events. This was a huge error, which we all paid for. Even if we did have some successful games of Cards Against Humanity, where some people laughed so much at the cards that mentioned people's ethnicities that it represented a sort of soft launch for them being a racist. At around the same time we started talking more, our bodybuilder housemate Carluccio started to take steroids. This was unrelated to the talking more, it was more related to the bodybuilding. But as you know, one of the side effects of steroids is becoming really passive aggressive in WhatsApp group chats. This led to an atmosphere where arguments became much more commonplace. They were arguments about the usual housemate things. We argued about whether our agrophobic housemate should contribute more to the heating bills. And about whether the person with IBS 
should contribute more for toilet paper, or at the very least not be allowed to drink coffee. We had a long running argument about who keeps putting chicken bones in the recycling bin. We never found out who did it or why they did it. Maybe they were very lazy, or maybe there is one person out there who genuinely believes that Lewisham Recycling Department can resurrect chickens. The arguments got so bad that I was tempted to run away from home. But then I remembered I lived in a house share and they'd all be happy about it because it meant one less person in the queue for the toilet. I didn't want to give them that satisfaction so I stuck it out and I'd recommend that you do the same. It's important not to back down and quit for somewhere that makes you happy. I did eventually leave but this was back in 2019 when there were actually some other rooms available and even some that cost only half of, rather than all of, your soul. So if you're in a bad place, you should stick it out and find positives. The key thing is if you don't like your housemates, you should like your landlord, and you should get them to like you too. You probably like your landlord anyway, because they're giving up their space for you, which is a really nice gesture, and you don't have much choice. It's in most tenancy agreements now that you have to like them. To make sure your landlord likes you, you need to work out what type of landlord you have. And there are two different types, greedy or creepy. If they're greedy, that's easy. Just make sure every year to offer them more money for the room before they get around to demanding it. If they're creepy, it's slightly harder, but providing the creepy behaviour doesn't become criminal, you should probably ignore or even embrace it. I had a landlord who would come into people's rooms and move things around, but it was so cheap that we grew to think of this behaviour as quirky rather than disturbing. And as a way to get the price down further, I asked if he wanted to watch whilst I sleep. He didn't, but it was a good way to show that I was on board with his strange behaviour. And of course, to get your landlord properly on your side, you shouldn't complain about anything wrong with the house. For starters, they've got feelings. So you banging on about how the basic things in their house don't work will upset them. But also, showing you're relaxed about things in the house could bring benefits. In one house I stayed in, the washing machine pumped out stagnant water. It wasn't meant to and we politely asked the landlord to fix it every now and again. It got considerably worse on New Year's Eve 2018, and the amount of stagnant water attracted a large number of flies, which ended up staying there for the coming months. I remember coming down the stairs into the kitchen, thinking 2019 is going to be the year for me. But it's really hard to keep up that positive outlook when there are constantly flies buzzing around your head. I quickly wrote the entire year off, and I was right to, because my main income back then was taking arty photos of food on Instagram, and the likes and engagement I got completely dried up because of all the flies in the photos. But did we report the landlord? No. We waited, we waited, and we waited, and a few months later, he fixed it. And he was so happy with us for our patience that he gifted us the carbon monoxide detector which we'd been asking for for a while. Part 2. Buy in your own place.
buy a house, you're going to need money, specifically other people's money. Of course, you can save up some money yourself by cutting back on things like avocados, being warm and having any sort of life experience whatsoever. In a few decades time, you might be able to afford somewhere if the housing market crashes. But if you want to have your own home at an age where you're not too old to walk around it, you're going to need some help. I'm 36 and I can't afford to buy my own house at the moment. I'm not bitter at all about this and I think that's very clear to anyone listening to a podcast where I'm talking about my bad house share experiences for the second episode in a row. The only times it feels a bit strange is when someone significantly younger than me buys their own home. But I'm always still gracious about it. Recently I found out a 25 year old colleague had purchased their own property and I sent them a card saying, sorry to hear about your nana. The card was a gamble. I didn't know how they'd got the money, but it turned out to be correct. It was through inheritance money. And of course, this is a great way to be able to afford your own home if this applies to you. My recommendation would be waiting for them to pass away normally rather than engineering it yourself. A friend of the person who bought their own house after receiving the inheritance said they still really deserved it because they'd been working really hard, which made it sound like they were heavily involved in the death and this could lead to legal problems. If you are really desperate for your inheritance, you can always try to speed up the process in subtle ways by convincing your grandparents to get into new hobbies like parkour or heroin. You can get help from your family without them dying first though. If your parents are rich, this is straightforward. Just ask for it. You don't need me to tell you that, you lucky, lucky bastards. If your parents are poor, then you'll just need to make them rich. Why not turn your dad into a TikTok sensation? The family are a good example of this. Two brothers who dance to popular tunes with their dad on TikTok and Instagram. When you watch it, it may seem like something that's sick, wrong, and that should really be illegal, but it's not. And I found out that the two brothers actually made their dad dance to help them pay for their deposits on their houses. In fact, if you watch all 60 of their cursed videos, the dad makes the shape of a letter in each one, and if you put those letters together, they spell, they've got their money now, but they're still making me dance. Please can one of our followers come to the family house and shoot me. I tried something similar to the family recently. I said to my dad that I needed money for a deposit, so he's going to have to start dancing for it. Unfortunately, my dad has a chronic back problem, so in the TikTok videos, he's clearly in a lot of pain when he's dancing, and he has to stop and be sick a lot. I refused to be in the videos because it would compromise my brand, so they're just him alone in agony, trying to move and lip sync to music that clearly really scares him. They have a haunting quality which TikTok viewers haven't responded well to at all yet, but I'm hoping eventually the injured dancing dad trend becomes a big thing and he's able to put some money towards my deposit. I had to approach my mum for money as well, but as I mentioned in the first episode, she doesn't have a well-paid job either, so I sent her on a coding course. It may be a long journey, as she had a tough first week when she couldn't find the space bar on a keyboard, 
but hopefully she'll get the hang of it. However, like many people, even if my parents can give me a bit of money, I'll never be able to afford my dream house. So I'm aiming for what they call a bit of a doer-upper, i.e. somewhere with major structural risks and problems. A lot of people make the mistake when looking for a place to live that it has to be somewhere fit for humans. Your best bet of getting a cheap house is if it technically isn't a house yet. This is your chance to become a DIY genius. For instance, if it's a property without walls, don't think, oh no, I really like walls. Think, I can probably make a wall. And maybe you can. There's got to be a YouTube tutorial out there or something. But if you're not confident giving things like wall making a go, you can buy a house which is already fully built but has some quirky factors. I just saw a cheap one on the market here which looks okay, but it says in the description that the floor is permanently wet for an unknown reason. If you're a glass half empty person, you might think that'd be like living in a Japanese horror film. But if you're a glass half full person, you'd think, well, you'll never need to worry about stains on the floor. If you go on right move, try searching for the phrase riddled with asbestos. The thing about asbestos is it's fine if you don't disturb it. So you could have a lot of fun living in one of those houses and playing a game of never touch the house. The consequences are deadly, but the good times will be worth it. So that's nearly the end for this week's guide and actually nearly an end for these guides for the year, but we have got a couple of minutes for your housing questions. We've had one that asks, when does a house become a home? That's a very good question, but I am wary about joining the toxic cushions versus houseplants debate, which is what I think you prompted me to do. Too many lives have already been lost in that war. But I will say for house sheds at least, plants are probably your best bet. Cushions make you feel like your house is a home, but it'll make you too comfortable. And whilst you're all cosy, your landlord will sense vulnerability, they're good at that, and they'll either raise your rent or evict you. Plants can also make your house a home, but without that same risk. And also they die, which will remind you that everything is temporary, just like your tenancy agreement. Another question we got is whether anyone who goes on grand designs is happy. I wasn't sure of this, so I checked the Wikipedia it turns out all of the people who go on that show are from the UK, which means, obviously, they're not happy. But as Shakespeare said, better to be unhappy with a massive mad house you've designed yourself than to be happy with a boring semi. Nice little bit of carry-on humour there, I'm not above that. So we'll move on to the next question. Why don't people who can't afford to live in London just move somewhere cheaper, like the Mid-Atlantic Ridge? That's a really good point. I don't know why people don't do that. I've just looked at Mid-Atlantic Ridge prices and they are very cheap and you could easily work from home there. It looks like there's a risk of the forces on the bottom of the ocean causing serious damage to you and your desk. But even with that, it still looks less risky and dangerous than some of the properties available in London at the moment. I say go for it. I also used the app not gonna lie to request anonymous questions for those a bit sheepish about the questions they're sending in thanks to everyone who did send them in using that app but also no thanks to many of you because the questions you've sent in 
clearly show that you've never listened to this podcast. I mean, one of the questions is, how tall are you? Sorry, but that's not what this podcast is about at all. Obviously, I'm extremely tall, but this is not the place to talk about it. Another person said, would you ever be FWB? I searched for that term, and it means friends with benefits. Again, this show is about houses, so unless you're talking about house and benefit, we can't cover it here. And another message through that app says, Big Crab Small Shell want Big Shell, please, Landman, help Big Crab. To be fair, that does sound house and related. Crabs are the only animal other than humans to deal in property. So in answer to your message, Big Crab, just listen to these two episodes again. I'm sure it's all the same principles. And last but definitely not least, we had another anonymous message saying, I've been loving the podcast and listened to it today whilst feeling the walls closing at work. How do you come up with the topics? That's a really lovely message. Thanks for sending that. It means a lot. Uh, I hope you finish work by now or that you will be very soon for Christmas. In terms of the topics, all the topics are picked by an algorithm to give the podcast the biggest chance to go viral. But none of them have went viral so far. So I'm going to sack the algorithm. I don't care if it is Christmas. You've got to be ruthless in this business. And I'm on the lookout for further topics. So if you've got anything you want to send in for me to cover in future episodes, please do give me a shout on Real Joe Bates on Instagram. The next set of shows will start after the residence Christmas break, which uh, will my first show will be on January the 15th. So you've got plenty of time. Again, thanks everyone for listening to these. It means a lot. And a big thank you to Resonance for putting on these shows this year too. But with everything we've talked about, I, I did want to give the biggest thank you of all the thank yous to all the brilliant landlords and housemates I've had over the last 20 years. I won't mention the landlords by name in case they've got some sort of tax or subletting scam going on and they want a lie law. But I will thank every person I've shared a house with for making this possible. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Patrick and Katie. Thank you, Tom, Hannah and Dave. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Jan. Thank you, Olivia. Thank you, Christina and Marina, Hang and Kevin, Martin, Simon, Michael. Thank you, Tom 2. Thank you, Tom 3. Thank you, Rich and Maya. Thank you, Carluccio, Giancarlo. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Henry. Thank you, Nuria. Thank you, Liz, Daisy, Bo, Millie. Thank you, Benji and Frank. Thank you, Maddie and Tyler. Thank you, Charles, Janet and Katie. Merry Christmas, everyone, and goodwill to all renters. Remember to support ACORN and your local renters' union. Have a great 2023.